On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we're joined by Nick Schwert. We're going to be talking a little KU basketball. This Kansas win, if Bill Self is coaching, and uh, how do you view this team headed into next season? little whose stat line is it anyway to finish things off. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube. And on today's edition of the show, we're here with Nick Schwert. You can hear on uh, 610 in Kansas City with Cody and Gold from 10 to 2, Waving the Wheat podcast as well. Um, and it's it's always, I don't know, somber this time of year in the area whenever KU loses in the NCAA tournament, but uh, now it's officially done. Kansas loses to Arkansas in the second round by a point. No Bill Self in that game. So I'll just ask straight up, easy question. Does Kansas win the game if Bill Self's coaching? Yes. Yes, I think that game was a... Well, I, I think, you know, it's so it's so, like, they could have won the game without him, too, though. You know, that's kind of where I'm at. They would have won with him because late in that game when Arkansas is sort of exploiting you defensively, he would have got control of the situation and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. I don't think Bill Self is going to keep uh, Dewan Harris from getting a five-second call inbounding the ball. I don't think Bill Self is going to keep Dewan Harris from getting a 10-second call trying to bring the ball up court. By the way, everybody uh, on Twitter who was saying that that was a quick count, I was in the arena. The clock said 19. Like you can say what you want about the referee not, you know, getting control and like giving Duan a heads up. Duan lost focus in that moment. That, that's all there was to it. I don't think Bill Self would have changed the free throw shooting down the stretch. So Kansas had plenty of opportunities to lose them game, the game themselves, which they took opportunity of in a weird way. Uh, but yeah, Bill Self probably would have changed enough things because we've seen that over time. He's a great sideline out-of-bounds play caller. He's a great late-game play caller. He is a great in-game adjuster, maybe the best in college basketball at all of those things. He would have altered those things. Kansas could have altered some things as well. So he probably would have been enough to get him through this round. I don't know how much farther he would have gotten them. Yeah, that's that's the thing for me. You run into that UConn buzzsaw, and even if you get by that, like, UCLA possibly staring at you in the other round. Gonzaga with their offense. I don't know how you stop Drew Timmy. I guess that makes it a little better, but also you you never know what's going to happen at that point. Uh, what do you think was was most surprising about the loss, and and what do you think was least surprising? Like in terms of, you know, if you would have said, "Hey, Kansas going to lose in the NCAA tournament," this is what we thought was going to happen. Of course, that's not surprising. But uh, which of those do you think was least? Which do you think was most? Well, I think the most surprising thing was. You can look at the stats and tell me how well he played. I thought Dewan was bad down the stretch. I think he showed an uncharacteristic lack of poise, mental mistakes that he just doesn't make. I don't know why that was the case. I don't know if there were uh, circumstances at play that led to him doing that. But I mean, the five-second inbound call, the 10-second call up getting the ball at the court, I just don't know what you're doing there. Aside from that, 
you know, there wasn't a lot in the game that surprised you. It was almost weird. I was in the arena and walking out of there thinking like, did they just lose that game? They were up the whole time. They led by 10 points. They felt like they were keeping Arkansas at bay the entire game. It was really, this was not a tale of two halves, right? This was a tale of the first 35 minutes versus the final five minutes. And it's crazy that you can win the first 30 to 35 minutes so resoundingly and yet lose the final four to five minutes so horribly and still feel like you didn't play that bad. That's kind of what, what my big takeaway was coming from the game. It's like they didn't play that bad. They just did a horrific job of closing that game out. You look at the final free throw numbers. What did KU shoot? 18 of 25. That's really good. But down the stretch, it seemed like they missed the front end of every big one and one that they had. The late game execution was as bad as it could have possibly been. And that to me was surprising that one team fell apart at the seams down the stretch. One team lacked poise and the other team looked like they'd been there. The other team looked like they knew exactly what they were doing. That, to me, was the biggest surprise. Yeah, I mean, you look up at the end of the day, Arkansas goes 3 of 15 from 3, and they were never a good three-point shooting team. Um, but you, yeah, you shoot 48%, 38 39% from 3. You didn't have, like, a ton of turnovers. You had 12 of them. They had 10, so that wasn't, like, a big difference. It was just those little plays. I, I think the, the most common or, or the best uh, commonality you could find between games this year Probably have to go back to the Kansas State game. Uh, the Kansas State game was a game where you just didn't execute down the stretch. Remember those plays where you didn't really like get a shot off or, or got a terrible shot look at the end of the game and some of those out-of-bounds plays against Kansas State, and you lost a close game that you very easily could have won. I think those are the, the easiest ones to look for. Um, and then when I look at kind of the trends of what this team was, I kind of feel like all along teams that were athletic and like physically athletic were the teams that gave KU the most problems. Like, think about Tennessee. They just, I mean, they just bully you. They are strong. They are athletic. Arkansas, athletic. Yes, you beat Texas once. Yes, you beat TCU once. But you also lost to those two teams a combined three times. What about those teams? Fast, strong, athletic. I, I don't know what the answer is moving forward, but it feels like ages ago that Bill Self was making comments after the second round loss to USC about trying to improve the athleticism within the program and and trying to improve that of the roster. But then all of a sudden you bring back all your starters and you win a title and maybe that goes away. But I, I wonder if that is going to be something they're going to be getting back to here soon because of the fact that you look at some of the guys who could be back for next year, like uh, with Ernest Uday and Zuby Edgefer and KJ Adams is very athletic. That's what he is. Some of the guys they're bringing in aren't really known for being shooters. They're known for being athletes. I wonder if that's going to be the way that the Kansas tries to go back to of getting back to that athleticism because of the fact that we've seen them struggle with that really the past three years. I mean, even last year when they won the title, like they lose by 18 to Kentucky. Uh, that feels like that's been kind of a bugaboo for them late recently. Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird because you, when you were going through all of those teams that gave KU troubles this year, you were talking about athleticism. You know what else all of those teams had in common? All those teams have top 15 defenses. Texas, K-State, Iowa State, Tennessee, Arkansas. Best defenses in the country. All of them. And Kansas's offense was very, very simple. 
we have one guy who's going to do everything. And, and how did Jalen Wilson get his offense? Wasn't because he was a knockdown shooter. Uh, he didn't have an intricate post-up game. It was just will and volume and determination. It wasn't super efficient. Okay, what's your second form of offense? Oh, we got this knockdown shooter. He's 6'8". He's really tough to, to close out on because he's long and gets a shot off quick. Okay, well, what else does he do well offensively? Like, how else does he score? Oh, that's pretty much it? Oh, so if you just close out on him hard and you get in his face, you're going to take him out of the game? Okay. Well, what's their third option? Uh, Dewan Harris floater? You see what we're This is not a, an elite offense. This is not an offense that you have to have your A game defensively to slow down. For all of those teams that we mentioned that gave Kansas fits, they were great defensive teams, which means if they just played their game, not their best game, you never, a Kansas opponent, like of, of, the, of those sorts of teams, they never had to go into a game against Kansas saying, we have to play our best to beat them. We have to be locked in for 40 minutes or they're going to kill us offensively. That was never the case with this team. They had five guys. They knew their roles. They played them very well, but they had limitations. They had limitations to what they could do. And Kansas did not have a counterpunch. They didn't. They never developed a plan B or a plan C. If this goes wrong, this is what can happen. Look at last year. Look at how many different ways by the end of the season, Kansas proved they can beat you. Hey, we're going to turn defense into offense. We're going to get out in transition. Even if we are in the half court, well, we've got David McCormick. He can kind of do some post moves. Ochai is one of the best isolation scorers. Christian Brown is an incredible driver of the ball. And then what happened late? Because this is the biggest part. Remy Martin happened late. If Remy Martin doesn't happen, Kansas doesn't win the national championship. And Remy Martin was the best player on that team at creating his own shot. There's no question about that. Nobody can argue otherwise. That is the missing element that he added to that picture. You go to this year, this team didn't really have any of that. They were like, well, this one guy does this one thing really well. Well, this one other guy does this one other thing really well. There was not a ton of cohesion and there wasn't a ton of, okay, we've got A, B, C ways to beat you. They moved the ball really well. They were unselfish. And that's why I think they kind of reached their maximum potential. The truth of the matter, Derek, is this was a flawed team, specifically offensively all year long. I liked what they had defensively. I thought they could hang with pretty much anybody in the country with especially what you had with Dewan and McCuller in the backcourt. I think that's the best defensive backcourt in the country. But offensively, they just didn't have enough. They were flawed all season long. And I think that we saw their ceiling at times, but we saw their floor fall far too often. And, and that's what ultimately we saw on Saturday. All right, let's talk more about uh, maybe what things are looking like for next year in a second. But first, this episode looked on Jayhawks. It's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament is heating up. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook app, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from money line to points, scores, three-pointers drained. Uh, Nick, second chance bracket. Who's winning the title? Alabama. I mean, that's my first chance, so I'm not changing my second chance. All right. Well, you can bet on Alabama on FanDuel just to win their region. You can bet on them to win the title, and if you're wrong, uh, you can complain to Nick. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine bets at a chance 
bets at a bigger same game parlays. Don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That is fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So now we we go into next year. Um, in the offseason talk a little earlier than I would have liked. It's nice to have that extra week or two before you get to the offseason. But, uh, you know, when I look at next year's team, I, I would assume Grady Dick's going pro. Obviously, Kevin and, and Jalen both are. Dewan Harris and, and KJ Adams back as starters. Those are nice pillars to have. Um, I, I think the biggest, I would say, rotation of what, what's going to happen in the offseason, the biggest uh, fork in the road to figuring out what the offseason, which way it's going to go, is going to be what is the future of, of KJ Adams? Is he a four or is he a five? Because if he's a five and you're going to start him at the five, it, it makes the roster construction different. If you're going to start him at the four, you better have a two and three man who can come in, create shots and hit shots for you. Because everything that you just talked about with the, I guess the the lower ceiling of the offense this year. My biggest worry about next year's team is them having that same lower ceiling. Because if you look at it, and if KJ's starting at the four next to a, an Ernest Dude and Dewan's at the one, that might be a pretty good defensive lineup. But you better have knockdown shooters at the two and three, and you better have somebody who can create um, off the bounce for you in that lineup. And right now, I think there are some serious questions about if that's the case. I feel like that's what we say every year, though, isn't it? We always want that guy who can create off the bounce because that's the type of guys that play in the NBA, right? Those are the best players, the guys who you can just give the ball to and they'll go get you a bucket. But I wonder, like, honestly, how often have they had those dudes? Yeah, you had Frank Mason in 2017. Yeah, you, you had Frank Mason in 2017. You had Devontae Graham in 2018 and, and Malik Newman. Like, that team went to a Final Four. You had Remy Martin last year. That team won the national championship. Devon Dotson in 2020. I know it wasn't jumpers, but he could create anytime he wanted. Yeah, to he, he was an explosive athlete, right? He was a really explosive athlete and could could get to the rim. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, I, I guess now that we're talking it out, yeah, they, they're. I don't know how common they are, but there seems to be a pretty strong correlation between having them and having success in March. But I, I don't. I don't know what your what means you are going to do to go and find one of those guys. Like at this point in the game, your recruiting class is kind of your recruiting class, and I would imagine, based off history, Bill Self is going to go out and get one of the top two or three guys in the transfer portal and bring them to Kansas next year. The question is, is there one of those guys out there? Is there this playmaking dynamic guard slash wing that's looking for a new home? Yeah, um, I, I think that obviously they need the shooting. If you don't have Grady Dick, I mean, this was already kind of an average three-point shooting team this year. Now you lose Grady Dick. Like, that is certainly a big worry about, you know, trying to figure that around you. 
Um, like I said, if, if KJ is at the five, it maybe makes it a little easier for roster construction to figure out the offense because there's more that you can go with with those two through four positions. And then I, I think it's like, in theory, Joe Yesifu should be able to help you with that stuff, right? Being able to score off the bounds and create his own shot. That's what we saw at Drake, but you're still kind of waiting for that to happen. And I don't know if it ever will at Kansas. Uh, maybe another year he gets a little bit more comfortable. I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I guess El Marco Jackson uh, could be somebody who's interesting, but he's known as more of being like a, a scorer and an athlete than a shooter. But I guess maybe he could create off of the dribble himself. Um, I, I, I have real worries about the limitations of next year's team. I, I think that I view next year's team as being one of those teams that could be like a three or a four seed, which uh, I know that's not like that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things, but for a Bill Self team, that is. No, that's not. I mean, well, I mean, I guess, yes, it would be a big deal, but that's, I mean, and I think you know that it's not going to happen, right? Come on, Derek. Like, you don't actually think that next year is going to be some sort of disastrous scenario where all of a sudden, like, we're seeing the worst team in the Bill Self era, do you? You honestly believe that? No, 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 but I, I do, like, I would be, at this point, I mean, we don't we don't know what's going to happen in the portal. We don't. Like, like you said, I mean, it's not just... Could they go out, out and get a creation guard? There have been, I don't know, rumors, things that have been talked about each of the last two off seasons about some notable name big men that had some sort of feelers out to KU. And, and whether that was true or not, it didn't end up happening either year. Um, maybe they bring in some big wig center, right? That could change things too. So I, I will say that, like, I, I obviously, if, if they bring in a couple good transfers, yeah, I'm back on the train that, like, they could win a title, right? I just am almost thinking next year could be a transition year with all the young players they have coming in, the worries about shooting, how does the roster fit together? What if next year is a two or a three seed where it's not the worst team in, in the Bill Self tenure, but it's it's taken a step back from this year, and then maybe the year after is the year that they kind of pounce where a bunch of those players are sophomores. You have another year after that, a Dewan Harrison, KJ Adams, and that's the year that you capitalize. Okay, so you say taking a, back, taking a step back from this year. Let me ask you this. Did you actually think this team was a national championship caliber team? I did not think they would win it. So you, so I mean, yeah, I mean, you didn't think that they were now. I thought going into the tournament, this was like honestly, just looking at the predictive measures, looking at Kim Palm, Bart Torvik, I thought that was about right. I thought their resume reflected uh, that of uh, one seed. But when you watch a team for 30-plus games, if, you, if you're being honest with yourself, you get a pretty good sense of what they are. And this wasn't a national championship team. You, go, you watch Alabama. You watch Tennessee. You watch UCLA. You say, wow, they got a bunch of different things they do really well. And when they're playing well, holy cow, that's good. How are you going to slow that down? I don't know how many teams were looking at Kansas and saying that. Like, they got really hot at times. Jalen Wilson looked like one of the best players in the country at times. Grady Dick looked like a lottery pick. I thought this was like the seventh or eighth best team in the country, which is really freaking good, by the way. I want to let that be known. Being the seventh best team in the country is not like, really, that's it? But those are the lofty expectations you create for yourself at Kansas. And you have Bill Self as your coach. And you're winning the Big 12 every single year. So if you told me that they're the 10th best team in the country last year or next year, excuse me, 
If you go from being the seventh best team in the country this year and you're the 11th best team in the country next year, truly, is that taking a step back or is it just a different version of what we saw this year with some different pieces and they're going to do a few different things well, but in all likelihood, somebody's going to step up, whether that's KJ Adams or Ernest Uday and go from just being a nice player to a holy cow, look at what he becomes in year two or in year three. Like that's kind of the script at Kansas. And it's kind of what I expect to happen next year. All right. Uh, let's finish up with uh, whose stat line is it anyway? I still have a couple more to give you. First up, these are uh, this is a search on, on college basketball reference, which goes back to the 1992 to 93 season. That's the first year. So it gives you about 30 years of KU players. Can you name the two players to have averaged 20 or more points, eight or more rebounds per game for a full season? Okay. So Jalen Wilson is one of them. Correct. Okay, I needed that. Oh, boy. It's one of two guys. And I'm going to be really mad if I get this wrong and it's the other guy. One reason because... The one, I'll just say, okay, I think it's Wayne Simeon, but there's another player more recently that I'm worried it is that I got wrong. But I'm going with Wayne Simeon, final answer. Who is the other player that you were going to say? Diedrich Lawson. All right. You sure you want to go with Simeon? Yes. It is Wayne Simeon. Yeah, there we go, baby. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. There's a little bit of solace Jalen Wilson can take back. He, he's going to go. We, we talked a little bit about this, I don't know, a week or two ago, that he'll go down as, like, one of the best players for the Bills have ever had. He won a title. He was an All-American through his career. Only three players have done that. Underbill self, Sharon Collins, Ochai, and Jalen. Number two, uh, versus Ken Palm Tier A, which is defined on Ken Palm as your games against top 50 Ken Palm opponents. This player shot 34.6% from three against Tier A opponents. Now, I also, uh, I don't know if this will help you out a little bit, but also Ken Palm has the like player comparisons on there. Uh, the top comparisons for this player are Kevin Herter and Gary Trent Jr. Well, you gave it away. You just gave it away by saying Kevin Herter, who I know for one reason. He's a white guy who shoots a bunch of threes. Grady Dick, final answer. That is correct. But uh, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a guy who shot you know, with Grady Dick. When he, when he played the top competition, like that's very average three-point percentage. Yeah, it turns out when you play the top competition, they know the scouting report, and they're like, hey, this guy's just going to roam around the perimeter and shoot threes, and occasionally he'll run baseline for a lob. But if you just take the three away from him for like 15 minutes, you'll basically take him out of the game. And this isn't even a knock on Grady Dick. He's 19 years old. There are going to be flaws in his game. There are going to be things he hasn't seen and doesn't know how to adjust to. If he came back for another year, he'd probably be a National Player of the Year candidate. But... He's not going to because some team's going to pay him a million dollars to get better at basketball. So why the hell would he turn it down? Yep. All right, last one. There is no wrong answer on this last one. You give me your prediction. What does Dewan Harris's stat line look like in 2023 to 2024? Do you have his current stat line handy? 
Yeah, he averaged 8.9 points per game, 6.2 assists per game, a little over two steals per game. So I'll say, I think the only thing that's going to change significantly is going to be the, the scoring because, I mean, he already has the ball all the time and is given the ability to create. So I think the assists will stay about the same. I think the steals will stay about the same. I think he's a double-figure scorer next year, even if it's... I Like, Dewan's never going to be just an insane scorer. That's just not his game. And he doesn't need to be. I don't want him to be. Like, play to who you are. Play to your identity. His identity is a creator, a true pass-first point guard. But he's going to keep getting opportunities to shoot, and can continue to refine his game. So I'm going to say 10.4 points, 7.3 assists, and 2.1 steals. Write that down, by the way, and we can cross-check this in about 12 months. All right. We'll see how right you are on that one. Uh, Nick, appreciate it. Anything you want to plug coming up? Uh, yeah, we'll be doing a, a you know season recap, Arkansas recap, later this week on, on Wave in the Wheat. So if you want to come commiserate with us, uh, you can do that wherever you find your podcasts. All right, that's Nick Schwert at Nick underscore Schwert on Twitter. You can find me at D Jensen Radio on Twitter. You can uh, check us out, Locked on Jayhawks, wherever you cast or on your rest of your day.